You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is John Wertheim from Beyond the Baseline Sports Illustrated's tennis podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners, more payouts than any other site. Enter the promo code BEYOND, B-E-Y-O-N-D, BEYOND, at FanDuel.com for a bonus match of up to 200 bucks. We're also sponsored by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal, pay for your ticket, and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code BEYOND for $20 off your first tickets. How different is the culture now than it was when you were playing you know, 15 years ago? Well, it's so radically different because of social media and the concern of the image that's projected that goes out and, you know, tweeting and Instagram and then what people, they have the access to write whatever they want to you that you read. And now in this day and age, not nice people are sitting there behind writing horrible stuff that is getting read by teenagers and people, you know, and and that affects them. and, And I think it's toxic. John Worth, I'm here with this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. We have, I'm going to say, our favorite guest. I'll, I'll just say a favored guest. <laughs> Lindsay Davenport, welcome. Just your favorite guest. My personal favorite <laughs> guest. But I was you told not to do that. that. We don't exactly. want to operate in superlatives, but we're very happy to have you. I told you this last time. We, we talked a few weeks ago, I think before Wimbledon, and did very well with our audience, your popularity. <laughs> Um, tell, tell us where you are, first of all. Well, right now I'm in Mason, Ohio. Very uh, exciting times here this week, but um, it's such a great tournament here in Cincinnati, and it's been interesting to see, um, you know, how all the top players are doing right before uh, the U.S. Open. I mean, I can't believe it's right around the corner in, what, nine, ten days, and crazy. We were in a studio talking grass course tennis yesterday. Uh, how are all the top players doing? I mean, what's... What's the vibe out there? 
Um, you know, I have to say on the men's side, I mean, Andy Murray, he's been so impressive in all these types of events all year. And I don't know how he does it. He seemed to play so much in the clay court season, build all this positive momentum, won his first clay court title, uh, beat Rafa. and I mean, just crazy. Gets the semis of the French. Then he goes right onto the grass, does well, disappointing loss to Fed, and then has to play this emotional Davis Cup, takes two weeks off and is now playing his third tournament in a row. And he continues to impress in these. I hope he is able to continue this form and all the way through the U.S. Open. And I just don't know physically and mentally if, if that's possible. He just seems to have been playing so much. Married man as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it's okay. <laughs> 2015, a busy year for, uh, for Andy Murray. I, I got the feeling, and t- tell me if you're, if you're with me on this, when he beat Djokovic in Montreal, when he won in Canada, there was this sigh of relief, not necessarily so much in, in favor of Andy Murray winning, but just in the sense that we may have some rivalry in what had been fairly one-sided. Djokovic obviously won Wimbledon, won the Australian Open, came within uh, you know, a, a crazy match by Stan of winning the French. I get the feeling there was a sense of uh, it's nice to see Novak being challenged. Absolutely, and especially from Andy, who I can't remember how many matches in a row he had lost against Novak coming in. You know, he had that loss to Roger at Wimbledon, and I think everyone is, is ready to see, on both the men's and women's side, someone step up and challenge the undisputed number ones. And, I mean, Murray, you could just see him in that match with Novak. I mean, he was so on edge, and I know he's always, um, you know, he's demonstrative emotionally on the court, and he gets really loud. I swear every single point he was doing something towards Bjorkman, whether it was a fist pump <laughs> or yelling at him. It seemed like it was so important to him. He was, I thought he was the most uh, emotional I've ever seen, and, but... I think it, it's important for the sport. To, it's great to have these amazing champions in Novak and Serena, but I think it's also great to see them be challenged and have rivalries and have close matches. So, you know, it, both of them lost in Canada, Serena obviously to Bencic as well. I, I think that's good going into the U.S. Open. I mean, people want to see a little bit more drama when these guys go down to try and win slams. T- brief tangent. You mentioned Murray's treatment of Bjorkman. I don't know if you read that story on Amazon, but I was thinking no. uh, Amazon is not the only place with uh, mean bosses in a Darwinian <laughs> culture. What is going on there? I mean, Andy Murray, f- fairly mellow guy, I-, I think pretty you know, self-possessed, and yet when he plays these matches, he's, he's plain possessed. I mean, the-, the way he berates his camp is like nothing I've seen. I'm sure they know it going in. I'm sure he says, listen, it's heat of the moment. It's nothing personal. What's going on there, though? Yeah, you know, it seems to be getting a little more extreme, and I think we've all been guilty of it at at some point or another, and trying to hit this little yellow ball and these side these lines can drive you crazy. I know that for a fact, but it definitely seems to be coming more prevalent. And, you know, even last week, Brad Gilbert, who used to coach Murray, was commenting on it, and he was saying, well, you either get the sarcastic thumbs-up kind of approach or you get yelled at. And he's like, I think I, I preferred the sarcastic thumbs-up <laughs> And it's like, it, it hasn't stopped. It's gotten worse. And I mean, it has to take energy out of him for the worse in, in some of these big matches. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how long that, I mean, it was happening to Amelie too at times, but um, I, I just, it just doesn't look 
that healthy anymore because it just because it's not getting better. But, but, but what is it? Doing exactly? better. I mean, it's it's like it's like horrible bosses. But you, you mentioned the energy. Yeah. I also figure it must take energy afterwards to then apologize and, and buy everyone dinner. <laughs> but think. what I mean is it literally like you didn't prepare me for that up the line backhand? Is it you're not emoting correctly? Like what specifically yeah, I, is the I, problem? I, I, it's, it seems like all of that comes out from him towards them. You know, it didn't seem like he did it as much with Lendl. I don't know if he was maybe more scared of Yvonne or Yvonne's <laughs> reaction or if Yvonne would have gotten up and left if it got too bad. I don't know. But it definitely seems to have if going bad again. But then if you're in the camp and your job is to get him to win and he's winning all the time now and, and doing better, I, I don't know what you say. Like, well, you can't do that. Well, I just want a master's event doing that. So what do you mean it affects my performance? So I'm sure they're kind of the whole camp is kind of con- conflicted about it. They're just they all wear sunglasses. Brad always used to say it would mask your emotion. I think they do it so they don't, Murray doesn't <laughs> see them rolling their eyes. Here it goes again. Anyway, en- enough about uh, crazy Andy Murray. Quick pause to acknowledge our sponsors. You're going to the U.S. Open. You're looking for tickets. You're not quite sure where you're going to get them. You don't want to approach the scalpers on the boardwalk. What do you do? You go to SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the strongest app for online tickets. It makes it easier than ever to find a great deal. You pay for the ticket. You get in the stadium. It's that easy. And for listeners of this show, Beyond the Baseline, the SI Tennis Podcast, use the promo code BEYOND in the SeatGeek app and get $20 in rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. It takes less than a minute to download the app. The app is free. It works on iPhone and Google Play stores. Then go right to buying tickets. SeatGeek aggregates from the big ticket prices. You know you're paying the best dollar. It is very easy to operate. It is a mobile app. It will get you right into your seat as quickly as possible. You want U.S. Open tickets. You want tickets to other sports events, music events, SeatGeek app. And remember the code BEYOND, B-E-Y-O-N-D. It'll get you $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. Before we talk Serena, I was thinking that you know prize money at these majors is like never before. Media coverage, as you and I know, is like never before. These majors have really become the benchmarks when we assess a player, right? It's always it's it's yep. not even how many titles, it's just how, how many majors. First question: yep. What does that do to the prestige of an event like Cincinnati? I mean, do you get the feeling that the players are all fully invested, or is this have a tune-up feel? mixed i think for some it's a tune-up for some it won't it won't really affect how they play at the u.s open i mean if serena were to lose in cincinnati the quarterfinals let's say does anyone really think she's less of a favorite in new york no for someone another player that maybe thrives and needs the confidence needs the matches maybe it's a bigger factor but you know the, the comparisons of grand slams on how great they are you know if you ever talk to any of the the players that played in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s, they just laugh and say, well, we never even went to Australia every year. <laughs> yeah, you say, know, for shit, whatever shit, reason. If we had done this, we would all have gone to Australia every year. Yeah, exactly. If they had known then what their careers were just going to be graded on Grand Slams, I think the numbers and the players that we see and their tally would be so much different. So it's a little bit of shame that's how it is remembered and that we compare these players to players than from previous generations. Um, I think that I, 
I look at it both ways, these tournaments. You know, everyone has their eye on the U.S. Open. So if any kind of injury comes up, I don't think a top player hesitates to pull out of a tournament like Cincinnati or, or like Canada. Um, but, you know, they still there's awful lot of money involved. There's ranking points. So I think it's a little of both. How are you enjoying my part of the country, by the way? <laughs> you, like, you like that Cincinnati? I do. You know, I've never been to a tournament where I'm just coaching and I don't have my own kids here. It seems like there's a lot of free time. <laughs> you picked the so, one with the amusement park across the highway, too. Exactly. I'm going to hit it later today. I haven't been there yet, but what, soon, soon. The King Cobra. That was my amusement yeah. park as a kid. I'm telling you, though, you eat the funnel cakes, go crazy on those, avoid the chili. You, you just yeah, don't want to know what it is. I haven't tried it yet. You want to so know the I'm secret, seriously? There. Yeah. It's, they make it. It's, it's kind of the burger runoff off the grill. You know, they have oh, that really? metal thing. They have that metal on metal when they make hamburgers on yeah. a grill and the gross okay, stuff. I'm glad they you told shunt. me that. That's chilly for you. Stay away from that. All right. So um, <laughs> Serena coming to the U.S. Open on the threshold of history, Grand Slam on the line. I mean, I think that's our prevailing storyline. What, what, kind of, what, what kind of odds are you laying? I mean, I, I, th- I think it's a weird point for her. I mean, she's the defending champion, obviously everything going her way. But meanwhile, wh- where's the competition? Yeah, I think, I think that's why it's even more overwhelming pressure because she knows if she's at, I don't know what that percentage that is, 60%, she's going to win the tournament. I mean, she won on her worst surface on clay at the French Open playing you know, we everyone's debating, was it C-level tennis? Was it B-minus, <laughs> B-plus? I mean, she won a Grand Slam on clay. So, I mean, it's for someone who's so been so successful at the U.S. Open and all that, I mean, she's so far the favorite. The only person that can stop Serena is Serena. And if mentally it becomes too much for her and it overwhelms her. She's been playing matches this summer in Canada and already here in Cincinnati with a fair amount of drama. We've seen drama, dramatic matches from her in the past. But, you know, she's definitely... Uh, you know, on edge leading into the Open. I think it's just, you know, her team is obviously just closing ranks on her and just trying to keep her as relaxed as possible to play as as well as she can in New York. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see if if she rises up or implodes. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on her. There's right. very few things she has not accomplished in tennis. This could be like the last one, the calendar year Grand Slam. Have you talked to her at all? No, I have not. I mean, I've I've heard the same as you. I've heard that the practice sessions are closed and there's a lot of sort of cloak and dagger about her health. And they've really, I mean, you said closed ranks and I think that that's what it is. I mean, you do have a sense that they know something, it's like a racehorse, like something special's going on and they are trying to <laughs> put on the blinders as, as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, they're there. She's always been, she's always surrounded by a, a couple members of her team, you know, around the courts, whether they're waiting for her right outside the locker room or, I mean, Patrick walks her on through the tunnel to right as they walk on the court. So, you know, they're, they're obviously doing their best. It is something special. They absolutely should be doing everything they can to, to help her feel good. And you see her playing matches. And like I said, I mean, even the other day against Parankova, she was just like on edge, you know, it looked like she's, you know, she's getting mad. She looks like she's going to cry some of the time. She's, she looks disinterested for a point or two. And then she's like uh, this ferocious tiger competing out there. It's, it's a fascinating mix watching her. I've never seen a, a player truly as great as she is kind of waver with all these emotions in a match that she's winning. Which we've seen 
time and time again. I mean, she she does seem to thrive. I mean, Steffi was just all business, ruthless yeah. efficiency, two and two, and if we can keep it at 58 minutes, great. Serena does seem in a weird way to thrive on this drama. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's her personality. Never seen it in a number one before. I mean, Chrissy, what, what did they call her? Like the, was it the ice, ice queen, queen or something? Ice queen. Yeah, I mean, insane. Martina would be a little bit more up and down, never to Lova with her emotions, but never to the levels that Serena goes to. But I mean, she, it doesn't matter. I mean, she could be down a set and for love and you're still like, she's going to turn it on here. And no one else has ever been able to do it like she can. I'm telling you, at some point, if she ever decided she felt like really coming clean and doing some introspection, there is there is a fascinating story here. I mean, I, I yeah, feel but like you she, can't do that till you're done playing. If you're Serena, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. a few years. Quick break to tip the cap to our sponsor, FanDuel. It's the fall. It's post Labor Day. That means U.S. Open time. That also means fantasy football time. FanDuel, though, is the leader in one-week fantasy football. You don't have to play the whole season. You don't have to wait until your running back finally gets over that knee injury or, in the case of Adrian Peterson, that suspension, Tom Brady as well. FanDuel will pay out over $75 bucks a week this NFL season. If you don't play fantasy because you're worried all the time about drafting players and having these injuries, this is the way to go. Entry fees start at a dollar. Week 1 NFL games that start during the U.S. Open time, they're already live in the FanDuel lobby. You don't have to wait another day to start building your teams. Over a million players have won money on FanDuel. Go there, FanDuel.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the promo code BEYOND, B-E-Y-O-N-D, and sign up now. This is a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets you earned as you play. That's a bonus of 200 bucks. Just don't forget to use the promo code BEYOND. There was a story, I don't know if you, you came across this. Simon Camber's British journalist, wrote a, a piece I thought was really interesting the other day about athletes, uh, tennis players, and women players especially, and mental health. I don't know if Is you saw the that. One that. I saw one of, that Kvitova yeah, talked Kvitova, a little bit about. Exactly. She, and Marty Fish, right? Yeah, right. I did read that. Which are obviously two. I mean, that's a little bit of a false. I mean, those are two yeah, very different exactly. cases. But ha- have you sensed this just sort of mental exhaustion in the women's game? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I think it's, you know, I. What's it the seems like the new generation feels more pressure than we've seen. I, I mean, you have to think, like, Capriotti, unfortunately, had a total breakdown in the 90s. So it's not like it, this kind of stuff has never happened before. But it just seems that, you know, people are finally admitting maybe more to the pressures they feel and how it affects them and how it, it affects their, their job if they're winning or losing matches. Um, Marty Fish, in, you know, his his stories are obviously at the like, the most extreme, the highest level, and that that's so concerning. And then you find a see a player like Petra who talks about it, and you know it doesn't it hasn't looked all year like she's really enjoyed playing tennis. Right. She's so naturally good and talented; she can still win some matches, but she for the most part has looked pretty miserable playing, which obviously is in, incredibly worrying to her camp and the people that love her. But um, you know, it's a I mean, we say it all the time, and maybe people think we try and, like, 
just make it up, but it is a brutal sport when it's one person out there with no help. It's a lot. What do you think? I mean, you're you're obviously intimately involved in the sport. You're coaching a player in Madison Keys. How different is the existence? And I, I don't just mean string tension and yeah. di- different different <laughs> technology and advances. I mean, how different is the culture now than it was when you were playing, you know, 15 years ago? Well, it's so radically different because of social media and the the concern of the image that's projected that goes out and, you know, tweeting and Instagram and then what people, they have the access to write whatever they want to you that you read. I mean, before I remember when I played in, I would be like, oh God, if I lost, like, what's the newspaper going to say? What's the newspaper article going to say? Like, oh, my forehand was bad. You know, it's like the, the trolls at the Orange County Register. Exactly. You're like, and it's like, that would freak me out. And I couldn't read a newspaper. And, and it's like, how harmless is that? Someone's talking about like my tennis game. Oh, I missed a backhand on break point or something. And now in this day and age, like, like not nice people are sitting there behind writing horrible stuff that is getting read by teenagers and people, you know, and, and that affects them. And they worry about that and what, how they're perceived. And um, so I think that is a huge, huge difference. And I think it's toxic. And is, it's is the tour doing to... anything? I mean, it's what, apart from uh, don't feed the trolls and you know, <sighs> ignore your at mentions. Yeah, is there anything I, more formal to deal with? That? I don't know. I don't. I not that I know of. It's just such a major part of this generation's existence, and so much so that you know they're not willing to give it up, even as unhealthy as it is for everybody. Here, uh, what, what do you think of this? I'm thinking there's the flip side to that is yep. that we can self-select our fee. I mean, I wrote about this a little bit with Curios, and I wonder if this is playing out terribly what happened last week, obviously. Yep. But he has, people can communicate with him directly. He can pick and choose who he follows. And I wonder if for every sort of unflattering story he sees, there isn't something to counterbalance that. And someone says, keep being you and ignore the haters and you did nothing wrong. And I mean, what those brothers' comments to me were remarkable. This is my segue to talk curious. But uh, yeah, but I also wonder, no, but I thought there's a whole social media dimension to this where if you're an athlete, yeah, you see all sorts of horrible things that you wouldn't have seen a generation ago. But I also think you get such a distorted view of popular perception because you pick and choose your feeds and everybody that supports you is quick to say, don't listen to the haters. You can't, you're not supposed to listen to anything too good or too bad. That's what I was always talking about, unless it came from someone you respected or loved or, you know, was in your inner circle. But it seems like, you know, you can totally get fed a bunch of BS from some crazy fan that's you're the greatest. Keep, you know, stay the same, all of that. It's completely right. Um, I, I, you know, and, how harmful is, is social media when, you know, Kyrgios's brother is threatening players and now probably going to be banned himself. I mean, that's how crazy it is because he gets riled up by a couple mentions on Twitter. It's like, it's, it's, that, that to me it, was one of the more strange, again, tangents to strange. all this that you could, you so could, strange. I mean, the Andy Murray heat of the moment and you, we say things we all regret and I crossed a line, but for his brother, the next day to make, comments that were not only more offensive than what was said initially, yeah. but had 24 hours of, of preparation, I thought was just, it showed you sort of the bizarre land. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, 
that was insane. It d- definitely. Uh, how do you make a matter worse for a young? <laughs> that's your <laughs> younger brother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. How could I make this worse for him? I, that's not what the camp should be doing. The camp should be the opposite. I would like to prolong you know? this. How, how uh, yeah. a week? We're we're talking a week after all of this. Obviously, this was big big news in tennis circles, but also this this really crossed over. I, I probably did more interviews, sadly about Nick Kyrgios than I did about Novak Djokovic winning Wimbledon last month. But how, uh, a, week, a week later, where, where are we with all this? I think it's in a horrible spot. <laughs> I think, you know, time goes and people don't talk about it. But for the three to four people involved, Kyrgios, Vavrinka, Donovekic, and Kakanakis, I mean, they've been living in their own, I think, personal hell in different ways. I mean, here's this poor 18-year-old, I guess she's 19 now, getting called into something internationally, like, but she didn't want to live that. I mean, they were already trying to be pretty low profile about it. Then it comes out in that regard. So, you know, she's obviously got to be struggling. And I know at her age, that's probably not easy to go through. You have Kakanakis who got pulled into this, like, like, what are you doing to me? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, the whole thing's crazy. Stan looks like he's a mess over it. You know, in the interviews he gave, he's, he looks like it has affected him every every day and night since it happened. And you have to believe that he's a very sensitive guy anyway. And then Kyrgios, who, who came here and was, I mean, not good at all on the court. You know, obviously stuff is bothering him on his mind. So I think that the whole mess has been so unfortunate for all four of them. It put tennis kind of in a bad light for the week, even though it was getting talked about, certainly not in the way any of us want it to be talked about. What are you hearing in terms of discipline? I I've, I heard the rumor that he's probably going to be suspended and it announced soon. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I Someone was asking me if I thought that was fair. And right. I, I would love to see a comp of other people that got suspended for conduct detrimental to the sport. I don't, I don't know the precedent. I don't know other players that that's happened to. Um, so I don't know enough. I'd love to hear some stories on that and then make a, a good, good comparison. But um I found that some. Um, tell me, tell me if you agree or disagree. Some of what's hard is you just sort of instinctively, you know, it's awful. I mean, I, I wrote this that you knew that Stan's private life has has been an issue, and this seemed very targeted and very almost cruel in that it it targeted Stan's you know, dissolved marriage. But it's a very weird precedent. I mean, other things have been said on the court. And it wasn't, I mean, it was unfortunate that he brought up other players, but there wasn't even profanity. I mean, I, I think it just, sets, yeah. it's, it's, we, all, we all know at some level it was just horrible and offensive, but it's very hard to articulate why we feel more strongly about this than profanity or guys hitting ball kicks. And you sort of play the apples and orange games, and it's very hard to sort of defend. You, you just know it. You know it was awful. You know it was just a punk move. But when you start to actually try to articulate it, it becomes a very sort of tricky case to make, I think. It is. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you, and then you look back at, at, at other sports. For sure, way worse things happen in all of these other team sports. So it, you have that. I mean, everyone keeps saying that. And then I, I keep going back to Stan. Like, he's obviously gone through a, a very tough time off the court. He had that incident last year at the men's um, sure. end-of-the-year sure. tournament in London when Mirka's, 
I don't know what it was ever called. Was she heckling him or teasing him or whatever she was doing from the sideline? That obviously must have been tough for him because that got played everywhere. And then has to go play Davis Cup with Roger, smooth that over. I was say, he, and then, he, won, uh, he won Davis Cup, won a major. It's, his kids are going to say, Daddy, tell us what... Uh... <laughs> Tell us what 2015 was like. And right, and then, you know, then his, his, his ex gave that pretty pretty damning, you know, what did she get, like that media release sure, talking sure. about exactly. I mean, it has been, for all the positives on the court, it, I have to think it's been a pretty hellish year off the court for Stan. When he joined Serena in writing that post-career book, We'll have a lot to say about uh, the last. It's been a busy 12 if months. He's for, uh, for, for if he's completely break. honest. If he's completely honest. Real quick, cause your charge, Madison Keys, has a doubles match. Uh, yep. So we'll wrap this up soon. Quick, give me, uh, give me three players to why. I saw Carolyn Garcia beat Kvitova. Benchich has obviously become very much flavor of the month. Yeah. Jeannie Bouchard uh, won a match. I'm buying, I'm going to say, I'm buying heavy stock in Sloan. Gosh, you are. I. I well, I mean, watching her win DC, I, I always, it's not easy to win your first title, and I, I don't always get to sit and watch a full match like at home on TV. Four kids will do that to you. But I, I, I sat there and watched that final against Pavlyuchenkova, and, I mean, she is a different person on the court mentally. You know, her, her game, they've obviously, her and Saviano have tightened it up, but she is out there just fighting her little tush off now. Thought last night against Bartel. She's out there playing at like 11 p.m. and it looks like she wants nothing more than to win that match. We didn't see that two years ago. She was struggling the yeah, beginning. Yeah, what, no. what? I mean, we heard maybe this time last year. Boy, don't be surprised if she starts thinking about enrolling in college. Like her exactly. love of exactly. What I mean, happened the, there? I mean, who knows? I mean, you have to give Saviano a sh- so much credit for getting through to her on and whatever wavelength that. They have, but I mean, she is balling out there now, and it's it's good to see. Nick, Nick Saviano between Bouchard falling off a cliff and the ascent of Sloane Stevens. Uh, yeah, that the metrics certainly support him as a good coach. All right, Sloane Stevens, Absolutely. that's a good one. Who you got two more? Um. Okay. So, what Garcia beat Kvitova last night? Are we just going Cincinnati or looking no, no, into I'm the? No, no. You're, you're looking at the. I mean, are we are we sold on Benchich? Who? Three, yeah, three geez, off I the mean, radar. come on. I mean, I could uh, winning Canada is incredible, right? She beat four top ten players, blah blah blah. Way back, more impressed that she came it back up. T- yeah, Tuesday think. and beat Kerber here in Cincinnati. I mean, Kerber is not an easy out at all, and especially the way the match was going. Benchich was up five one. It gets back to five all. Nope, calm. Just puts her away in two sets. I mean, and she keeps winning. She, that is the real deal. Most people are win a tournament and then, you know, give that excuse, oh, it's too hard to come back. It is very hard, but she hasn't bought into that at all. Love that, love that quality in a player. So I've got Sloan, I've got Benchich, and i got to buy one more stock. I, f- I feel like the whole field after, I mean, you talk about Azarenka and uh, we're not talking about a top 10 seed. No. I mean, I think, I think that's, be- that's all part of this Serena narrative is... You know, more, I just looked this up, more points separate Serena <laughs> and second-ranked Maria Sharapova than separate Sharapova and the player ranked number 200. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, there's no question. I mean, this is, she, she controls her own destiny. You know, what is anyone going to do? It's all up to her all the time. And everyone else is along for the ride because if, Serena shows up, and Serena's serving, and more. most importantly, Serena's in that 
great mind frame. She's, she's going to have one match at the Open where it's like a slippery slope. Right. She got through it against Watson at Wimbledon. She went through a few at the French and was able to get through. Who is that player going to be? At what day is Serena a little bit off? That's going to really control the whole destiny of her calendar year Grand Slam. It must be nice, though, knowing in the back of your mind that your C-minus performance still, know, still can I, enable I, you to win. I mean, but she can't, she can't win if she, you know, in her mind, like, if she doesn't win, it's like an epic failure. People are so stunned. So I, I do think she carries a lot more pressure than everyone's like, oh, she wins all the time. That must be so easy to handle. It, she doesn't. I mean, she knows everything is up to her in these matches. I think that sometimes is a tough, tough burden to have. Right. And, and it's a terrible situation. Well, terrible. But it's, it's unfortunate. You know, she's, she's won this event three years running. It's her home slam. You know, Maria's hurt. Kvitova's head's in the clouds. You know, what, yeah. I mean, you, you sort of go through the list, and you said it very early, and I think we're going to hear it an awful lot in the next three weeks, Serena Williams being the player most likely to beat yeah. Serena Williams. So we'll For see. For sure. All right, you've got doubles to watch. You're great. You should yep. really, you know, you should think about talking tennis sometime as a yeah, as I'll a try. Career. I'll try. It you depends who I'm talking it with. <laughs> We're going to keep doing this. I told you. You, uh, you, you rate you very it. highly in podcastville. Lindsay Davenport. Only for you. <laughs> you are a coach. You are a former U.S. Open champion. You are a Hall of Famer, a commentator, a mother of four, and you are enjoying <laughs> Cincinnati. Go watch some doubles. We'll do it soon. Thank you, John. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Our profound thanks to Lindsay Davenport. Profound thanks to you for listening. This is John Wertheim. This is Sports Illustrated's Beyond the Baseline Tennis Podcast. We'll do it next week as the U.S. Open looms. Thanks for joining. See you in seven days.